Hey, Jarrett Stevens here, and I'm with my friend Stefan Holt. We're talking about God and work and how we bring those two things together in a meaningful and transformational way. And Stefan, I'd love to hear uh, for you, what was your first job? Do you remember what your first job was? My first job, I was a busboy at an Italian restaurant Whoa. in Greenwich Village, New York City. In New York, so in Italian New York restaurant City. in New York City. How old were you? I was eight, uh, eight, 19 years old. Wow, that's not messing old. around. No, I was. Uh, I did that. I was going to flight school because before I got into broadcasting, I was really into aviation and I wanted to be a pilot. So I would work that's all night at the way. restaurant and then I'd go to flight school. That's, a, that's amazing. That's no joke. How long did you make it there? Uh, it was a whole summer, so it was about four or five months. Solid. Yeah. Solid. So, okay, that's your first job. What was your? What was the worst job you've ever had? Same job. Working same as a job. busboy. Same job. Well, there you <laughs> it's go. It's dirty, it's grimy, people don't tip, but you know what? It was... Hey. Uh, but it, you got me my dues. 30 minutes up in the air because of all exactly. of that work. Awesome. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. Well, good afternoon, Soul City Church. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at this church. How are you doing this afternoon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. I love when we kick off a brand new teaching series. If you don't know how things work, maybe you're new around here, we teach in blocks. So we'll talk about a book of the Bible or a topic in the Bible for about usually a month or so, and then I'll run out of things to say, and then we'll go to the next one. And uh, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series on work uh, over these next couple weeks, and we're going to look at how we might be able to rework how we work so that we can actually work with God in this world. I'm so excited about where God's going to take us over the next couple weeks. I've been planning and preparing for this for a while. But the question I asked Stefan in that last video, I think would be a great one for all of us to talk about for a moment. I want you to think about the worst job you've ever had. So as we're going to talk about work for the next couple weeks, let's start from the bottom and then we can only go up from there. So what's the worst job you've ever had? I'm sure you've had some doozies. Maybe you're in the worst job right now. So this is not a time for you to vent about that per se. Just say what it is, right? You don't have to go off on that. But what's the worst job you ever had? Here's what I'm gonna have you do. I'm gonna have you turn to the person next to you. So everybody needs to talk to somebody. And you're only gonna have 60 seconds, okay? It's only gonna be 60 seconds. So we say this all the time, right? Some of you are freaking out by the fact that you have to talk to someone at church. Introverts, it's only 60 seconds. You can do this. Extroverts, it's only 60 seconds, okay? So make sure that both of you get to share. Worst job ever. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you and begin now. Switch. If you haven't switched, make sure you switch right now. Give the other person a chance. It's good. It feels a little therapeutic, doesn't it, to kind of talk about this stuff, right? Now, I'm sure we've all had some bad, I've had some dude, I mean, I've had some really bad jobs. I've had, uh, worked, started working when I was about 14, so had a lot of jobs in between. And uh, I remember there was a season where I had a couple bad jobs at once. 
And uh, this was in the time when I was uh, saving up to buy Jeannie her engagement ring. And so I was working two part-time jobs at the time while finishing school, and those were not enough to, to buy her a ring. And so I had to get two more part-time jobs on top of that added up. That's like basically two full-time jobs. And so I was working uh, in the morning. I'd get up three days a week. I'd get up and go do landscaping and basic maintenance at a big condo complex not far from where I lived. And so I got a job doing that. So at 6 a.m. I was there like before the sprinklers came on and cleaning everything up, doing all the weeds, doing all that kind of stuff. She didn't even, this is what I love. I love this. She didn't even know that I had that job. I would get up and be done before she'd even know uh, what was happening. And so, cause she was, you know, living in another city. So she had no idea what I was doing. And so then I would go to my other day job. My day job at the time was I was a middle school drama teacher. And let me tell you, ain't no drama. <laughs> like middle school drama. And so I was a teacher, school teacher, and so give it up for all our teachers out there. And so did that. And, uh, but then at then afternoons and evenings, I worked as the youth pastor at my church. So I led the middle school group at our church. And then on the weekends, I got a job working construction to make enough money to be able to buy her a ring. And apparently uh, they assessed my construction skills fairly quickly. And they assigned me to be the drywall carrier in these two to three story homes in an entire cul-de-sac. So I had to carry every sheet of drywall up the stairs. So by the end of that season, my right arm was huge. Left one, not as much, but it was part of the benefits of working there. She had no idea. I did not love those jobs, specifically the, the landscaping job and the construction job. I did not love those jobs, but my baby loved that ring. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I'll never forget I went to the San Francisco Jewelry Mart, and I still remember her name. I went to Judy Yeh, and I went straight to Judy because all my friends bought their rings from Judy Yeh. And so I went to Judy Yeh, and I said, and this is exactly how it went down. I literally took all the cash I'd made over those last couple months, and I spread it out on her counter. And I said, what can we do with this? This is all I got, so let's make magic happen. And so... Now, listen, all of us have had at one time or another jobs that we didn't love, right? And again, you may be in one right now and you don't love it. So you kind of know why it's important that we talk about this stuff and why we talk about God and this kind of stuff. And we're going to walk through this over the next couple of weeks. Specifically today, we're going to look at a biblical framework for work. And we're going to look at two different passages. And what I want to do is offer all of us a practical prayer that we can pray this week that can help you take back Monday. And this is why it's so important, because you may not have realized this before, but if you stop and think about it, it makes sense. Do you know that you'll spend 35% of your waking life working? That's from birth to death. That's not just from when your first job to your last job. Over the course of your whole life, 35% of your waking hours will be spent working. The only thing you will do more in your lifetime is sleep. And some of you have actually figured out how to sleep at work. You are multitaskers and hats off to you. I'm proud of you. So that is amazing to think about. Over a third of your life, you're going to give to this thing. So it might be important that we talk about it and see what God has to say about it. And not only that, here's what's so interesting. Uh, two years back, Gallup did a poll about work and workplace attitudes and environments. And here's what they found. 70% of Americans, 70% are not satisfied or do not enjoy their job. So 70% of the people you're going to come into contact with as servers in your restaurants, your dentist, your banker, 70% of the people that have jobs here in this country are dissatisfied with their jobs. Does that seem a little high to you 
There's a lot of people dissatisfied with their job. Maybe for you, you're like, well, yeah, that's kind of how it works at work. No one really loves their job. So salary.com wanted to go a little further and understand, okay, so if that many people don't like our, their jobs, what are they doing at work all day? And here's what they found. 69% of American employees admit to wasting significant amounts of time at work. And they broke down kind of what all the percentages are. You wouldn't be surprised by any of them. Texting, personal phone calls, uh, social media. Do you know when Facebook has the most amount of visitors? From nine to five during work hours, right? Makes sense. I know you don't do that, but you've seen people at work who do. So it's pretty amazing to consider how we distract and even numb ourselves from the reality that many of us face, that we don't love our jobs, and yet there's nothing more in this life that you'll give yourself to other than sleep. So might it make sense that we need to rework how we work? That maybe, just maybe, we're kind of going at this thing the wrong way. And instead of going the tide of our culture and just assuming that work is something you have to suffer through in this world, might God have a better way for you? Might there be a, a better vision, a bigger vision, more purpose to your work? All of us could stand a little more passion, a little more purpose to our work. And all of us deserve, no matter where you work or even if you're working right now, all of us deserve to have a better boss than the one that you actually have right now. And so we're going to look over the next couple of minutes what it looks like for you to work with and for God. How do you begin to work with and for God? So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, if you have a Bible with you, fantastic. If not, we've got you covered. In your seat back there should be a gray Bible. Grab that gray Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. It's page 815 if that helps fast track you to get you there. Here's what I want you to do right now. When you get to Ephesians 2, just kind of hold it because I want to give you some big picture context that leads us up to this passage that we're going to look at here. Ephesians 2, page 815. Here's the big picture context. The whole story of the Bible begins with God at work. The whole story of the Bible begins by telling us that God went to work in creating the world, everything around us. That God is a God who works and that he created as part of his work, he created human beings. Adam, Eve created human beings and he actually created us, he created you to work with him, that you are actually created to work with God as God works in this world. That God, in fact, was the first boss and that Adam was, in fact, the first employee. He worked with and for God. And what God did, instead of just giving him things to do, God gave him things to give himself to that had purpose and meaning and value in the world. The first thing that God invites Adam to do as his employee, number one, is to care for the creation that God had put all around him, to care for this world. And so he begins to go to work doing that, caring for the garden. And then God gives him one of the coolest jobs ever. I wish I could have gotten this job. God assigns Adam the task of naming all of the animals, he gets to name all of the animals. I don't know exactly how that works, but I've thought about it a lot. And I imagine Adam like sitting at a desk, you know, in a chair in a garden, and God is bringing every, and you just see Adam going, next, you know, kind of going through his files, and God brings him every animal, and God says, all right, Adam, this next one is, well, it's tall, a beautiful creature, long tail. What should we call it? Adam looks at it and says, a horse. God goes, that's good. So the horse goes galloping off, you know, and then God brings the next one up. He goes, oh, Adam, this is beautiful. It's white. 
It's a real graceful, peaceful sort of thing. Loves to fly. What should we call this one, Adam? And Adam looks at it and goes, a glove. No, a dove. And God goes, okay, a dove. And so that's how it became a dove. And it flutters off and flies off. And then God goes through animal after animal. And this is Adam's work that he gets to do. Just make up and create names for all the animals. Till finally God gets all the way to the end of the line. And he brings the last one up. And he says, Adam, this last one, I got to be honest with you. It's not my best work. Uh, it's moody, it's temperamental, uh, it's really kind of annoying. What do we call it? And Adam looks at it and says, a cat. <laughs> and God says, perfect. And so that really, that's in the Bible. I, you should read, it's in there. If you look, it's, it should be in the Bible. We'll just say that it should be in the Bible, all right? So that's the first job that Adam gets to do, care for the world and name the animals. So right out the gate, we see that God is a God at work. And then he invites Adam into working with him and Eve to co-partner and work together for the good of the world with God. Because God is a God at work. God never stops working. Praise God that God didn't take a sick day today. And God went to work when he brought the sun up in the sky this morning. And God gave you breath this morning. And God will put the sun to bed tonight and bring the night sky with it. God is always constantly at work. We see God at work with the changing of the seasons. And we see God at work when here in the Midwest we have snow in April. There is a God and he is good. Uh, that, that we see God at work all throughout the world. All you have to do is just look around you. You see a God at work. And the cool thing that we get to see in the passage we're about to read is that he actually invites you to join with him and to work not only with him, but for him. Whatever it is that you do, you get to do it with God. And so this is what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says this, for we are God's, what's the word? Handiwork. Can you circle that in your Bible? It doesn't matter if it's not. You just circle it in your Bible. Someone else will find it later. We are God's handiwork. Now, the original Greek word for handiwork that they got that from is the word poema, which literally means masterpiece, like a poem, like a masterpiece. You're a work of art. You are God's work of art, crafted and created by his hand. Just, just, just sit with that for a minute. You are God's handiwork, his work, your reflection of his work in the world. You are. And Paul goes on to say that we're actually created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. That we're actually created to go to work, to do good works that are for the good of this world and for the glory of God, that that's actually a part of how and why you were created as a handiwork of God is so that you would do the good works that God has actually, as he goes on to say, prepared in advance for you to do. That this is a part of the whole big picture of what life in this world is like, that we get to actually work with God in this world. The truth that we see here in Ephesians 2.10 is that you are actually actually crafted and created lovingly and intentionally by God, and you've been given passions and abilities and talents by God, and you are meant to, get this, use them in this world. That you're never meant to just kind of look in the mirror and go, what a handy work I am. That you are actually meant to use the gifts and talents and abilities that ultimately are a reflection of the God who gave them to you. You are actually created to use them in this world 
world. In other words, you are a work of God, get this, created to work with God. That's so good, you might need to write it down. You are a work of God, created to work with God in this world. Created to work with God. It's a part of how we're wired. We see it all the way in the beginning of the story. And it can be a part of your story this week, taking back this Monday by getting this idea. You're created by God, a work of God. Created to, invited to work with God. And when you get this, it's like a paradigm shift. I mean, it's a paradigm shift for how you view work and what you do at work. So how does that work? How do you work with God? What does that even tangibly mean? Well, I'm reminded of uh, the story of Truett Cathy. You're familiar with Chick-fil-A? You've had their chicken sandwich? It's fantastic. Well, Truett Cathy, when he started Chick-fil-A, he and his brother had a vision for a restaurant. They had an idea for a restaurant. And what they wanted to do, and I've actually been able to go to the original Dwarf House down in Georgia is what they called it. And I got to visit the very first restaurant where they started. And their idea was that they wanted to do more than just serve food. They wanted to serve people. And they wanted to serve God. And they wanted to make connections in their community. And they wanted to go about it differently than everything else and everyone else around them. This is back in 1946. They started their very first restaurant. And they had this idea. And they, the first thing that they did that was pretty revolutionary for the style of restaurant they became is they wanted to be a 24-hour restaurant. And in the very beginning, it was just Truett and his brother. They're the, just the two Kathy boys, they started this restaurant together. And so do you know how they pulled off the 24-hour-a-day restaurant? One of them would work 12 hours, and then the other one would come and work the next 12 hours. And that's just how they did it, because they wanted to do something different. They wanted to be available for folks. But then they made the decision early on. This is, again, their first restaurant. It took them years and years and years and years to add a second restaurant. Now they're up to over 1,000 restaurants. It took them a long time to get there. But in the very beginning, they set up a, a practice, a principle, where they said, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take every Sunday off. We're just going to use Sunday as a day of rest. We want to create some rhythm for our employees, which at that point was the two of them. We want to create some rhythm and rest. We want to give people the space if they want to go to church, to give themselves to that kind of stuff on Sunday. And so from the very beginning, restaurant number one, trying to work these 12-hour shifts back to back, they said on Sunday, though, we rest. Where did they get that idea from? They got it from Genesis chapter one, where God worked for six days, worked for six days in creation, and then rested on the seventh. And they said, well, we probably can't do any better than that, so let's just do that. And now to this day, all those many years later, every single Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. And you may have found that out the hard way, <laughs> but it's true. And there have been many days where I was like, oh, true it. I need that chicken. But what a great idea to see the bigger picture of what they're doing. In fact, he's been asked about this so many times, and this is what he had to say about why they're closed on Sunday. He said, our decision to close on Sunday was our, now listen to this, was our way of honoring God and of directing our attention to things that mattered more than our business. Years upon years, people would come to him and say, if you, if you would just open on Sunday, do you know the Sunday church brunch crowd, you could do as much in a day as you could do in a couple days during the normal week. 
and again and again and again. He said, no, this is why we do this. It sets our attention to a vision bigger than just making more money, than just adding more stores. It reminds us that we are actually working with God. See, that's what it looks like to work with God. It changes the way that you go about and you approach your work. When you see that you're actually wired to work with God, then you can actually get to work with God in this world. No matter what it is that you're doing, when you get that you get to work with God, you then begin to make Monday just as holy as Sunday, just as spiritual as Sunday. It has just as much meaning and matters just as much to God as Sunday because you set aside to work with God in whatever it is that you're doing. Now, what does that look like? How do we actually do that? How do we work for sort of a better boss? How do we have a, a bigger vision and a better boss for our everyday work? Well, I want to show you. I want you to jump to Colossians chapter 3. Would you turn just a couple pages to the right? Colossians chapter 3. It's page 823 in the Gray Bible. I'd love for you to turn there if you would, please. We're going to look at what it means to work for a better boss than the one that you may actually have. Now, this is what it says in Colossians chapter 3. We'll start with verse 23. I may pause a couple times to have you word a couple, read a couple words out loud with me. This is what it says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your what? Heart. Now, I love that. In the very beginning of this verse, whatever you do. So there it is. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to be different for every single one of us. Whatever it is that you do, all of us get to work at it with all all of our heart. Now, I love this. As working for who? The Lord. the Lord. Not for a human boss. Not for a performance review. Not for career advancement. Those things are fine and have their place. But see, when you get this paradigm shift, you have a bigger vision, a bigger purpose, a better boss. You're working for God. So you work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, as if you're working for God himself, not for human masters. And verse 24 goes on with the same thought. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. What does that phrase mean? What that means is that you will actually receive heavenly blessing. God blesses the life of those who choose to work with and for him, that you know that this is not about some year-end bonus. This is not about some retirement plan. All those things, again, are fine and good and have their place. But when you have the paradigm shift that you're working with and for God, you know that your reward is actually better than any boss on this earth could ever give to you. Because God continues to bless your life and take care of you as he always has and as he always will. You receive a spiritual blessing from God when you commit to working with and for God and having him as a better boss in your life. Because he says, it is actually the Lord Christ that you are serving. Now, do you know that no matter what you do, no matter what you do right now for work, no matter what you do, that's actually true of you. That's available to you. That's an invitation to you to have a bigger vision and a better boss. That you can work 
with and for God and receive blessing from him that's far greater than anything you could possibly receive in this world. That when you get that that's who you're working for and that it's out of the God who created you as his handiwork that you get to work with him wherever it is that you're working. When you get that, do you know what your work actually begins to become? <coughs> worship. Your work actually becomes like worship. Y'all know worship. So what we did a little bit ago where we sing, right? And you worship. We do it every Sunday here. Some of you love our worship time. You raise your hand. You love it. Some of you just kind of move your hands in your pockets. You're getting there. Day by day, you're getting there. And we love worship. We love that moment. Do you know that when you get that your work is for and with God, do you know what your work becomes? It becomes an act of worship. And Monday becomes just as spiritual as Sunday. And your work has a much bigger purpose because you're working for and with a better boss. So what does that actually mean? What does that practically mean? That means while everyone else at your work may be taking shortcuts, because people do that, fudging the numbers a little bit, saying that they were at the meeting when they weren't. You know, people take shortcuts at work. I know you don't, but you know the people who do. When everyone else is taking shortcuts, when you're working with and for God, you choose to walk the path of integrity. And I know what you're saying. No, 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 every, you don't get this. How, like, you gotta do that in my industry. Like, you have to do that to make numbers. You understand, you have to do that in my office. Like, you wouldn't believe my boss. And so you gotta kinda cut corners just to make it all work. Nope, the person who works with and for God walks the path of integrity. And they say, there are, there are no shortcuts to integrity. There's no fast tracking integrity. It's decisions, daily decisions, every day in the same direction. I'm going to walk with integrity. Now, in the short run, those around you who are cutting corners, taking shortcuts, they may get ahead of you in the short. You know, like you may look around and go, uh, yeah, thanks, God. These guys are totally killing it right now this month in sales. And I'm walking slow, steady like the tortoise, walking the path of integrity. But I guarantee you in the end, your life will be so much richer. And your reward will come from heaven. There is a reward to walking the path of integrity. And listen to me, you will win in the end. And I mean that. Your character will speak for itself. You will be sought out as someone respected in your workplace. What does it mean to work with and for God? Well, it means that when everyone else around your work is bad-mouthing your boss, as some people are wont to do, or gossiping about someone else in your workplace, what that means then for you is that when you work with and for God, when that's happening, you keep your mouth shut. You don't join in. Because that's not what it's about. That's not why you're there, is to do that. And in fact, if you want bonus points, what you do is you offer encouragement and blessing to others in your workplace. You call out the good you see and catch them doing. When's the last time you did that at work? Genuinely and authentically said to someone, hey, I just want to let you know, you did a fantastic job on that. Or thanks so much for, you know, covering that for me. I really appreciate that. Really grateful for you. What, I mean, that's how you begin to work with 
and for God in your work. When everyone else is sort of looking out for themselves and just kind of looking out for their own agenda and their own mission that they have at work, you are actually setting your eyes on a bigger vision for what work actually is and how it works in this world. When everyone else around you is wasting time, like 69% of the employees in your business are wasting time throughout the course of a day, you are making the most of your time because you're grateful to God for the job that you have. Even if it's not perfect, that doesn't mean it can't have purpose. And so you make the most of the time that God has given you. And why do you do that? Because when everyone else around you takes their work home with them and is working through the night and is working through the weekend, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be resting because you made the most of your time while you had it at work. And you follow a God who not only works with you, but who rests with you. See, that's what it looks like for you to begin to work with and for God. How you go about what you do in this world matters greatly to God. And I think sometimes we can get all lost in wanting our dream job and wanting our perfect fit. And I get that. I completely get that. And there's validity to that, having your job line up with the best of your gifts and abilities. But I think sometimes we can spend more time daydreaming about our dream job instead of actually doing the work that God has put in front of us right now today. And so how you go about the work that you actually have to do today matters greatly to God. In fact, how you do what you do matters more to God than what it is that you do. How you do what you do matters more to God than what your job title is or where you're at on the career ladder, or how new you are at this job, or whatever it may be that you're doing, how you do it matters more to God than whatever it is that your job actually is. See, this is how your work becomes worship, because you get that it's about the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis in the flow of your work that matter greatly to God. And it's that you get that every day, every Monday, every week, every day is an opportunity for you to actually worship God through your work. It's how you make Mondays just as spiritual as Sunday. Now, I have a hunch that I know what you're thinking right now in this moment. Because I've talked about this before. I think we should talk about this a lot, about work and God and how it all works together. And as I've talked about this before, I've kind of gotten to the same point in the message where I think maybe you might, or at least some of you might be at, is that you're hearing what I'm saying. You're going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sounds great. Uh, You don't know where I work. Like, you don't know what it's like. You don't know how toxic it is. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know how difficult it is. Oh, and by the way, what do you even do all week? I don't even know what you do as a job. What do you just, what do you just pray all day and read the Bible and go for walks with God and drink your hipster coffee all day long? Like, what is it you even do? So I appreciate your little talk, but you don't understand it doesn't apply to me because you don't know what it's like at my work. I I get it. You're right. I, I don't, I don't know what you do. I can't possibly understand it all. But just because we don't work at the same place doesn't mean that we can't work with the same God. Just because we don't work at the same place doesn't mean that we can't work for the same God together. And that my job is no more spiritual than yours. 
and your job is no less spiritual than mine. And I get it, it's kind of weird, right? The pastor thing, like what does that job even mean? I saw it this last week. I'm fixing up an old motorcycle and so I went to this motorcycle class and I'm there and they're going around and getting, you know, getting to know everyone. And this happens, I love this moment. Happens every time someone asks, so what do you do? It's just, it's just I, I should travel with a record player just for the scratch that comes when I mention what I do. Because everyone's going around and saying, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a mechanic or oh, I'm a electrical or I do construction or I'm a software engineer and then it gets to me and I'm like, I'm a pastor record scratch every single time. And, and everyone always has just a great reaction to that. Like this guy this week went, oh. I don't know if he was throwing up in his mouth. I don't know what he was doing. He had no words. He's like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like he was convincing himself. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I, I get it. It's, you know, there's a word for folks that do what I do and what our staff do here uh, on staff here at Soul City Church, your amazing staff team here at Soul City Church, there's a word for what they call what we do, and they call it ministry. I know you've heard that word, right? We're ministers, you know, ministry. And I think what we've done is when it comes to the understanding of that word, what we've done is we've narrowed it down to the smallest possible understanding of the meaning of the word. That we assume that ministers or ministry is just about those folks who work at or for a church, right? That's, I'm a minister. I'm the person who gets paid to do this kind of stuff. But that couldn't actually be any further from the truth of the meaning of the word. The root of the word minister or ministry is one who serves God. And do you know that can happen anywhere? No matter what you're doing, you actually get to be a minister, one who serves God wherever it is that you are actually Working, whatever it is that you are actually do, doing, when you work with and for God, guess what? You become a minister in your workplace. And I mean it. And I need you. We need you. This city needs you to get that. That you are a minister in your law firm. And I know how tough it can be and how hard you got to work. Do you know that you actually are a minister in the context of that workplace? that you're a minister at the school that you teach at. You are, whether you realize it or not, or the state recognizes it as such, you are ministering to every child you come into contact with. You're ministering to their families, whether you realize it or not. You're ministering to the faculty that you work with. Listen, those of you who serve in our hospitals or doctor's offices, you're not just administering medicine. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ sent into that particular workplace, meeting people at a very important moment of need. You are actually, you have so much more to offer than you even realize when you work with and for God. You're a minister. You're a minister at the salon that you work at. And I know sometimes it can feel like a drag that you got to talk to people for eight, 10 hours a day. You got to make up all kinds of, you find yourself just saying the same things over and over again. Do you know what a gift it is that you've been given to actually have a window into people's lives and souls? Some of my friends who are sitting here right now are friends of mine from my, where I've got my hair cut and we were able to share life with each other. And now they're a part of this church. Do you realize what a gift you have? Those of you who, who work in restaurants and you serve people all day, you can feel so unthanked and a tip doesn't really say it all, although they're nice. You know that you're a minister in the workplace at your restaurant? When you choose to go to work with God and work for God, 
You're a minister in that place. And I've worked in restaurants. They need some ministers. You know how tough and intense it can be. Wherever it is that you're working, your city job, you work for the city and you just kind of feel like you're lost in bureaucracy sometimes, right? You're a min- Do you know that you're a minister in a place that needs you more than you even realize you are actually a minister? You work from home. Do you realize that you're more than just mom, more than just dad? You're a minister to those kids. You have an incredible opportunity to work with and for God in the raising and developing of those children. You're a minister. You're a minister at your cool co-op, co-working creative space that you go to and edit your photos. You're a minister. You're actually a minister there and everywhere you go that you choose to work with and for God. And you need to get that. You got to get that because our world desperately needs you to be such. Hundreds of years ago, Martin Luther was talking about the same stuff we're talking about today. So apparently we need to talk about this stuff. And he said this about what it means for you to be a minister where you're at. He said this, the idea that service to God should have only to do with a church is without a doubt the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more astray than by the narrow conception that working with God takes place only in the church? The whole, now listen to this, the whole world should abound with service to God, not only in churches, but in the home, in the workshop, in the field. You are a minister wherever it is that God has you. And I get it, your job ain't perfect, but you have a bigger purpose. You get to walk in there tomorrow and work with and for God. You get to take back Monday tomorrow. You get to take it back from mediocrity. You get to take it back from complacency. You get to take it back from daydreaming about the perfect dream job. You get to take it back from distractions. You get to take it back for God. And so here's how we're going to do it. I thought this would be a fun, creative thing for us to do. I've asked all the other gatherings to do this, so really you'd be the only ones that didn't do it. So I hope you do it. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I want to ask you to do tomorrow at work. Wherever it is that you may work, I want you to walk up tomorrow morning. Help take back Monday. I want you to walk up as soon as you get to work, and I want you to look your boss right in the eyes, and I want you to say to them, I don't work for you no more. I work for God. And let's see what happens. Let's just play that one out, all right? Let's, no, actually, do not do that, please. You will be out of work. Very, it'll just be you and God very quickly. So don't, 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 don't do, please don't. Someone try that, but no, not all of you do that. I think it'd be fun to see what happens. All right, so here's what we're actually gonna do. There's a prayer that I created for our community that we can pray to take back Monday that you can pray over the course of this week and I want to put it on the screen and maybe you want to jot it down or maybe you need to have this be the first prayer that you pray when you wake up in the morning to give you a perspective shift. You need to be reminded again every new day or maybe on your ride in, your commute in, your walk in to work, you pray this little prayer. It's just a centering practical prayer that can point you in the direction of purpose and a better perspective for your work. Maybe for you, given the place that you work, you need to pray this prayer like, every 10 minutes. You just need to have this prayer on loop. 
So I thought we could read it out loud and pray it together right now. Will you join me in saying this prayer out loud? God, wherever I'm working today, I'm going to work with you. Whatever I'm doing today, I'm going to do it for you. God, wherever I'm working today, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to choose to work with you. No matter who I'm with, I know you're with me and I'm working with you. And whatever it is, God, you have me doing today, I'm going to do it for you, God, with all of my heart for you and your glory because you're a better boss and I get to take back Monday this week. So I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer over the course of this week. In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand right now as we pray together and we're going to move into a a song to close with, a song that sums up everything we've been talking about, a song that declares that this is really ultimately always only about God and for his glory and that we get to bring all of who we are, our work life, all of who we are to God. And so I'd invite you to take a posture we take here all the time at Soul City. We open up our hands to God as we pray. And if you're willing to do that, open up your hands and your heart. Close your eyes if that helps. I want you to think about work tomorrow, whatever that may mean for you. Don't think about it too much so where it freaks you out. Just think about it enough to where you can say, God, I want to dedicate it. I want to devote it to you. I want to have a bigger vision. I want to work for a better boss. And wherever I'm at, God, I know I'm going to, I want to do it with you. And whatever I'm doing, God, I want to do it for you. Help me to be a minister in the work that you've given me to do in this world. And God, that is what I pray. Our city desperately needs more folks to see themselves as ministers in the place that you have them. And so God, I pray for a revival to break out in each of our little workplaces, that we would see ourselves differently because we have a bigger picture and a better boss, that we would view our work like worship and that we would make Monday just as spiritual as today. And so God, help us to do that. And there's going to be all kinds of ways that we're going to be distracted, defeated, tempted to go back to old ways. But God, you are good and you are faithful. You are with us and you are for us. So help us to work with you and for you. I pray over every single minister in this room today. Help us, God, as we bring all of who we are to you and offer it all up for your glory and your name. Amen.